Welcome back, everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois, and thanks for listening to our program here this morning. We are very fortunate to be joined. Um, our next guest is a professor uh, just to the east of us at this school called Notre Dame. I think it's been, uh, people have heard of it before. He's a professor of political science at the University of Notre Dame, and he is uh, an expert on, he specializes in religious, uh, religion and global politics. Politics. I have tongue tie here this morning, Professor uh, Dan Philpot. Am I pronounce your name correctly, sir? Yes, uh, you 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 are, and great to be with you this morning. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking some time. So, um, I really am interested in this topic, um, the topic of international religious freedom, because I think it's one that does not get enough attention in the media at all. And I think every chance I get to talk about this, I do. Um, I, I, I want to talk maybe about the specifics, but then I wanna, maybe I'll start with the general first. So the president put out this um, executive order to advance international religious freedom. I, I guess what's let's just start with um, what's the aim of it? What's the purpose of what was the president trying to accomplish? Sure. Yeah, great question. Well, um, I think to understand it, go back uh, a few years to mm -hmm. 1998 when Congress actually uh, established a, a foreign policy of promoting religious freedom mandated by law through the International Religious Freedom Act. It gave us an ambassador for religious freedom, um, an office in the State Department, and, and an independent commission. Mm. And so we've had a religious freedom uh, policy in place all these years, but... And I think it's, you know, done some real good. I, I'm a fan of it, but it also has had mixed results and, you know, uh, shortcomings as well. Hmm. But I think what um, the Trump administration is trying to do here is to strengthen that policy and to do that in real concrete ways to really uh, give it some teeth that it uh, can, frankly, kind of need it. Well, um, why does it need more teeth? Well, um, <clears throat> You know, again, the, the policy has done some good things. Mm -hmm. uh, annual reports have brought attention to religious freedom. It sort of put it on the map, placed it in the discourse, uh, and so forth. A hard question to answer, though, is, is any country actually more religiously free yeah. today in the world because of the policy? It's kidding. hard to answer yes to that. The world as a whole is not more religiously free. It's gotten worse in the last 5, 10, 20 years. And so... Um, uh, the, the policy, you know, we need to do more. We need to do more that actually kind of engages countries and uh, promotes it on the ground. And I think that's what uh, the executive order is trying to do. That's interesting. I, I you know, it bothers me that um, the level of understanding of what is going on right now in China, and I hope I'm saying this correctly, with the we is it Uyghurs? There's yeah, a Muslim Muslims, yeah. minority who are basically being held in captivity because of because of their religion. Yeah. Um, and that's going on in a lot of other places. And I, I yeah. think, you know, I don't want I, I think it's good to maybe if you could just outline a little bit about some of these instances throughout the world where these uh, violations of, of basic human decency are going on. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you start started with the Uyghur Muslims in China. You've got one to two million in concentration camps. You've got um, to go down to Burma. You've got the Rohingya Muslims. Um, right. Hundreds of thousands have been uh, exiled and expelled from the country, are living in, as refugees in Bangladesh. You've got a kind of crackdown on religious freedom in China in general. Um, uh, you know, only the latest thing is that when churches come back from the pandemic, they have to they're they're required to quote preach patriotism um, in China. Yes, that's right. 
many other things. Churches have been destroyed. Um, uh, pastors have been put in jail. Um, there's been a real crackdown in the last five years or so. Uh, it's interesting. Like some of those examples yeah. you cited are Muslim. Yes, exactly. You know, it's, it's um, I've, I've done a lot of work on tracking uh, persecution of Christians, but the persecution of Muslims, um, both at the hands of non- non-Muslims, yeah. and sometimes also at the hands of other Muslims, yeah. um, is very. And when you add it all up, it, it is very, very uh, formidable. Yeah, that's that's uh, it, it is interesting that this this I know it's been written about. I get that, and from time to time we'll read about it in in publications like the Wall Street Journal or maybe the New York Times. But it hasn't seeped into the into the main culture really at all. And I and I fear that there's a, a large uh, amount of ignorance about what's what's happening to people. And and I know there's a lot of controversy in the United States about you know religious freedom and things like that, and we've been through Supreme yes. Court cases, and that's yeah. But that's that's different than than what's going on internationally. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there may be a qualitative um, similarity, but there's a big difference between you know being tortured and having your churches right. uh, burned right. on one hand, and then you know having to. Um, and and I, I do think the cases domestically are serious, where institutions are facing fines and, and that sort of thing. Um, um, you know, which was true uh, not so long ago, but yeah, you're, you're, there's a quantitatively there is a real difference. Absolutely. What? Um, so, I, I, you know, can you talk a little bit about the dynamics of um, how a country like the United States, that through this executive order that I think you you said provides a, a little bit more teeth uh, to what the administration can do, how do we combat? Um, how do we advance religious freedom when, when at the end of the day, there's there is a kind of a limit to what we can do in a country like China, or yeah. uh, you know, I mean, it, it is hard to move them. I mean, we can't move them on trade policy, you know, <laughs> right. and, and and something so nebulous as 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 religious freedoms it has to be even a steeper climb. Yeah, no, I think that's right, and you know, um, I think one thing we've learned over twenty years is that the sort of high level concentra- uh, confrontation, either you know, expecting it to be linked to trade policy or even sending the ambassador around to lecture countries and so forth really hasn't worked. And I think what's much better is to have um, programs um, through uh, foreign aid, through our diplomats, through, um, you know, uh, trainings and engagement to try to um, kind of get the idea of religious freedom out there and Try to engage countries, convince them that uh, religion doesn't have to be a threat; that it can actually be a, a positive um, mm-hmm. a contributor to their societies. Um, I think one of the very best things, uh, again, the, the Trump administration has done positively, is to have what is called a ministerial on religious freedom, which is a summer started two summers ago, but it's like a huge conference of sort that brought together 900 hmm. religious, civil society, and foreign ministry leaders from all around the world, all religions, and really built kind of networks of civil mm-hmm. society, almost a kind of global network of people committed to religious freedom, hmm. and get people on the ground in these countries who are committed to religious freedom, who can be the agents of change and support them. I think that, that's one of the things I think uh, we really learned from 20 years. That I think that's a much better um, – that mode of engagement is much better than um, – I just think it's unrealistic to accept President Trump to walk in and tell sure. you know, Xi Jinping, you know, Anything. get religious freedom or we're pulling your trade. Or, you know, right. He's already got enough of a confrontation over trade, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think what you're saying is sort of a seeping 
uh, in of the culture. Yeah. It's kind of a bottom-up approach as opposed to a top-down approach over time might yield better results. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah, think of Interesting. it as yeast and bread, like something that yeah. kind of seeps through and makes it grow and uh, yeah. plants seeds. That, that kind of metaphor, I think, captures it better. We've, we've had some tough years with um, setbacks on religious freedom internationally. Professor, are you an optimist or a pessimist as we go forward? <laughs> well, I think maybe theological hope is the best thing to have. Okay. <laughs> um, things have gotten worse in the last few years um, for the religious freedom picture. You know, we talked about China, yep. uh, Burma, but we even look at somewhere like Nigeria. I was going to say Africa. hundred Christians have been killed so far this year. How They're many? Not very well known, but it's just a horrible situation. How many Christians? I'm sorry. Several hundred. Several like, hundred. You know, maybe four to five hundred. Is that um, the resurgence of Boko Haram, or is those other group? Are there other groups? No, there's Boko Haram, but there's also a group known as the Fulani Herdsmen. Okay. And um, so it's in part in part an agricultural economic conflict, but it has also a strong religious dimension to it. Yeah. And um, but it's really uh, so. But nevertheless, um, I think it's very important to to engage and to have have an effective policy, to grow an effective policy, to to build networks. Um, you know, you can see uh, just look historically whether it's the, the civil rights movement or the global movement to end slavery or what have you, that um, if you stay with it in, in, in the long run um, and build up enough of a kind of constituency and network around the world of like-minded people, um, yeah, yeah, we have to believe that change is possible. Yeah, and, and, and like you said, I, it, these things take time, um, and yes. it looks like, at least in the United States, I think what you're saying is, in 98, we passed the law, so now we have an office. And I, it, it, that's the one that, that, that Senator, the former Senator Brownback heads, correct? Is that, that the office you're referring to? Yeah, well, he is the current ambassador right. at large. That's right. right. And he is a very, very good one, very effective one. And so, kind of, yeah. so that we have that law. And now perhaps this executive order that you indicated perhaps uh, provides a little bit more teeth, and, and, and maybe we can advance a little bit there. And, and like you said, I think we have theological hope, um, albeit we're up against some some strong forces. But you know, uh, don't estimate, don't underestimate that uh, theory that you outlined earlier about you know this seeping into the culture and spreading, and and then hopefully in time you'll see that take root and and some real change will occur. Yes, I think that's right. And the executive order, you know, requires ambassadors on the ground in violator countries to develop a plan for promoting religious Good. freedom. It provides funding through foreign aid. It uh, mandates training in religious freedom for all civil service employees in the State Department. If anything, it just helps the U.S. government employees and diplomats themselves yep. to put this on their radar, sure. create the awareness. And um, you know that's a major uh, obstacle to be overcome there as well, is just the kind of uh, secular thinking among people in our own government. I think you're right. I think you're right. Professor, thanks for taking some time this morning. Very interesting, um, and best of luck with your work. Continue on um, writing and, and studying this topic, because it's it's one that I think is very important. Um, it, it's important for the world, uh, and and it's uh, so best of luck to you in, in your work. Thank you. God thank, bless. Thank, thank you for your attention to the topic. Yeah, great. Love to do it. Um, thanks for, uh, for joining us. Uh, this is Bob Gilligan. Don't go away. We're going to take a quick break here, and we come back, we're going to be talking with Bishop Hicks. He is the Vicar General, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, what we've been doing to reopen churches and what the plan is ahead. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference. Don't go away. We'll be right back. 